0: What a good day it's been. You know, this is not part of my message, but I was just uh, singing this song, uh, Sound Mind, and there was the lyric from Psalm 23 that says, you've prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And I saw this video this week going, I don't know if it went viral, but I saw a few people share it, and honestly, it upset me a little bit. It was a minister talking about how uh, I was at a big conference too Or a big church And he was like Sometimes your enemies are sticking around Because God is advancing you And promoting you And, and your enemies He's going to place them around the table Having to watch you succeed And they'll just be there in their suffering And I just it made me sick to my stomach a little bit When I heard that I mean, God loves the people who are The enemies he's talking about As much as he loves us And we don't, we don't have a God that taunts Our God is not, you know, an angry kid with a magnifying glass, like shining shining sunlight on the people that make him angry, right? Like burning the ants, like the little kids, like, like, you know, people used to. That's not our God. He doesn't taunt people. You know, the Bible says that our enemies aren't flesh and blood our enemies are powers and principalities that table that he's prepared for us to sit and rest at the enemies are in the middle of the anxiety in the middle of the fear that's trying to come against you there is a place of rest where you can sit and feast despite the enemies being all around you saying be in fear be anxiety be be angry feel hatred no those are the enemies powers and principalities people are not our enemies. I'm not trying to call anybody out, but I would love for our community to understand that if any one of us here picture an enemy and that enemy is made of flesh and blood, the Bible says that is not your enemy. Our enemies are powers, principalities, and there is a place of rest we can find in our faith and with the Father that in the middle of anything coming against us, we sit we feast, we dine, and we enjoy his presence. That's awesome. That is powerful. And it leads me straight into this message today, which is closing the kingdom series out. And I have, a, I guess, a simple title for today's message, Legalism Versus Grace. How does that work? Uh, with a message about the kingdom, well, we have a kingdom that is built and we get to be a part of it for one simple reason, and that reason is grace. The unmerited favor of Jesus, the unearned favor of the Father. We didn't earn it. Jesus earned it and then gave it to us. That is grace. That is grace. I give my kids grace sometimes. Lisa is the grace parent, and I am... I guess if you want to look at it this way, the parent that has to lay down the law sometimes, right? Kids need a little discipline, but there have been moments in our life when Lisa has looked at me and said, hey, hey, let's give them grace. These moments happened a lot back in the day when they were little and we'd been out all day and it was late at night and we maybe hadn't eaten or something and and little cranky hungry kids uh, acted like little cranky hungry kids. And I'd be like, you can't speak like that. And Lisa would grab me and say, I know and they know, but they haven't eaten, they're hungry, they're tired, let's give them grace right now. They didn't earn it, right? They didn't really deserve it, but the grace parent says, let's give them grace, and you got to listen to your spouse. It's just the truth. you gotta, you got to do that because then there's, there may not be grace between the spouses, right? So uh, you got to listen to the spouse, and, we, and, and I would, and we gave them grace. It's something we don't deserve. We don't deserve in our flesh to be a part of this kingdom, but because of Jesus, we do deserve it, because of Jesus. And I want us to start seeing that. Uh, Even the mindset of, I don't deserve this, and I'm just the lowly worm that you've accepted into your kingdom, I guess that's better than thinking that we haven't been accepted, but let me tell you the best, is Jesus earned this for us. It is just as if I have never sinned. That's what the word justified means, and that's the word of God. You are justified. It's just as if you've never sinned because of Jesus. Not only am I grateful, not only am I so grateful, are you so grateful, when we can begin to think that way, it will change our life. And we have so many clear pictures in the Word, especially in the Gospels, as Jesus himself, God himself in the flesh, I, if he was walking around the earth giving us these awesome pictures of legalism versus grace throughout the Gospels that I want to find a few of those today. I have a few here laid out that we're going to talk about. But what does it look like to operate out of a mindset of legalism or operate out of a mindset of grace, because as a believer, we've talked about this for the past six weeks, we can still choose to operate from a mindset based on the law and legalism. And Paul said that as a New Testament believer, if we choose to operate from legalism, it will be like putting blinders over our eyes and we will not see the truth. And here's a powerful verse He said, Christ will be of no benefit to us. Man, that's heavy in a way, but it's not heavy because it's an invitation to say you don't have to live that way. Old covenant was all legalistic walls leading to relationship with the Father. The new covenant where we live is all grace leading to relationship with the Father. It's gonna be awesome. Hey, can we get the lights real quick, the house lights? I was just thinking I'm too sleepy right now. It's because of these lights. <laughs> I was talking to Emmy and Carl this morning, our friend Pastor Mon, who's actually gonna be here uh, with us for the conference on Friday just as an attendee, but Lisa's known him her whole life. He's a pastor in Nigeria, Africa. He has, last time I heard his church had like 6,000 people and he's a bishop of over 300 other churches in Nigeria. They, uh, t- at least 10 years ago, had these guys that stood on the end of each row with these big long canes and if anybody starts dozing off or talking, you just, he said gently, <laughs> tap them, you know, on their head to, to stop them. That's That's pretty... Wouldn't that be fun if we did that? What if Jerry, what if we gave Jerry a stick and Jerry just walked around tapping people that talked her doze off? He'd be hitting Tom over the head every Sunday. Miss Dr. Potter back there, he'd have bruises. I always give Tom a hard time, Dr. Jerry, Potter. You have to keep Jerry awake too, yeah. He'd have to be aware with, with the, the, the hitting stick, whatever it's called. The old covenant legalistic laws lead into relationship with Jesus. The new covenant is grace leading to relationship With Jesus, with the Father, relationship with the Father. This is a great example of this, legalism versus grace in John chapter 5. You know about the Pharisees. I talked about them last week. You've all heard about them. Uh, One of the things that I've said a few times over these last few weeks is if there was a group of people who were closer than everybody else in fulfilling the law, it was actually the Pharisees. They knew the letter of the law, they tried their hardest to live to live by the letter of the law. They kept the festivals. They kept the proper ceremonial things. They were very strict. And if you, like a math problem, could see how many laws the Pharisees keep each day and how many laws the average person kept each day, chances are really good those Pharisees would have been keeping thousands more laws every week than the rest of the average people. However, Jesus did not come To create another form of law, he fulfilled it and offered us grace. And you and I both know those Pharisees got a harder time from Jesus than anybody else. Why? Because they were so law-minded. Jesus even looked at them in John chapter 5, 39 through 40, and he says, You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. In other words, he said, you know all the right things. You you can quote it backwards and forwards, but you haven't seen the point. The point is that on your best day, you still fall short. The point is that you, the group of people who are closer than anybody else, are still so vastly far away that if you don't have a Savior, there's no way you can make it. All the scriptures Point to me. So what was he talking about? Well, here's one really big example of a mindset of legalism instead of a mindset of grace in Luke chapter 11, 37 through 38. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. This is not like you're nasty. You should have washed your hands before you sat down to eat. This was a ceremony to make you spiritually clean before you sat down and touched food that would then enter your body and it would also be considered clean. This was a religious ceremony and Jesus skipped it. Jesus is in the home of this Pharisee. And at this point in his ministry, Jesus had calmed the storm. Casted out demons publicly. Healed the woman with the issue of blood. Raised a widow's son from the dead. A voice from heaven spoke over him out loud. As he was baptized and said, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. He healed leprosy. A paraplegic. And so many more. There were multiple occasions before this time where it said Jesus healed everybody who was sick in the crowd. That guy. Is coming to dinner at your house, and as he sits down, the only bit of awe and wonder that comes out of you is you didn't wash your hands. You didn't perform the ceremony. Legalism always sees the falling short, even when it's not necessarily even falling short. Legalism doesn't see the miracles, legalism doesn't see The operating in love, it just sees the dirty hands. Here's another one. Mark 3, chapter 1 through 6. Jesus went into a synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, his enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hands, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Can you imagine? You've never seen miracles like this. You think to yourself, I'm about to see a withered hand grow and be formed correctly in front of my eyes but you're most excited about accusing the guy who's about to do it and arresting him that's crazy that's crazy jesus said to the man with the deformed hand come and stand in front of everyone (laughs) he could have done it in secret he could have been like hey let's go to the corner where they can't see That's pretty cool, right? I mean, he could have been like, listen, they're going to cause a scene. Just let me take care of this. No, come in front. Let's just go ahead and rock everybody's world. We all talk about him turning over those tables physically. This is also an example of Jesus turning over tables. Hey, come to the front. Stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to the critics and says, hey, am I allowed to do good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this day to save life or to destroy it? They wouldn't answer him. He looked around them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. And he said to the man, hold out your hand. The man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Can you imagine being more excited about catching somebody in the act where I can now accuse them and have them arrested than you are about seeing a miracle? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? That's legalism. You know, this reminds me of that group. I don't even know the name of them, but you see them sometimes on the news. They go to funerals of soldiers and people that live in a lifestyle they don't agree with and they picket their funerals. Uh, And they call themselves a church or something. I mean, they they call themselves a church and, and I guess maybe by definition they are, but they're not part of the church. They're not part of... Uh, of the church that Jesus established. Even if somebody's living differently than you think is right, even if somebody is is, is living a lifestyle of sin and and deprivation, I don't know, legalism focuses on that stuff and pickets the funerals instead of just trying to operate in love and lead people in kindness and comfort and take them by the hand and lead them to Jesus. Instead, legalism drives them away with pointing out the faults and the follies all the time. It's the exact opposite of this video I saw. And, man, you should look it up. You should think about it. it was this, I don't even know how I saw it, but it was Amy Grant. Y'all know who Amy Grant was, is? And uh, she's at, this, um, at a festival. And, and I, I don't know all the details, but I know that uh, by the looks of this crowd and, and, and by the one little headline on the thing, it's a group of people that feel like they are outcasts, like they have no place in the church, like they've been rejected and she walks into this tent. I don't know how she got there, but all these people are standing around her and they see that it's Amy Grant and somebody hands her a guitar. It's like 400 people, no sound system. And a lot of believers would be in that tent judging every single one of these people and calling them out for the the things they have on their clothes, the colors they're wearing, for the way they live, for their lifestyle. Some of them, they had beer in their hand, they were drinking. Amy Grant grabs the guitar though and everybody gets real quiet and she just sings that song, El Shaddai. El Shaddai. El Shaddai. And they're all just listening and she gets to that second verse and she says, to the outcast on her knees, he's the God that really sees. And like 10 people around her just fall down to their knees and start to weep. That's Grace. Legalism is walking in that tent and saying, you're going to hell. Legalism is walking into that tent and saying, repent, turn or burn. This lifestyle is blah, blah, blah. Grace walks in and sings, you feel like an outcast? God sees you and he loves you. Is that not what Jesus did? Did he not go to the people or maybe they just came to him? Either way, who was he surrounded by? The outcast. The ones that the Pharisees and the church said, no, you have no place here. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. And people said, you're not you're not who you think you are, because God would never tell these people to come to him. And Jesus said, well, you know what? If you've seen me, you've actually seen the father. I only do what I see him doing. Legalism walks into the tent and starts telling people where they're missing it. Grace walks in and says, God sees you. He loves you. Are your thoughts dominated by how you can make someone do right? Or are your thoughts dominated by how you can love someone unconditionally? It's the difference between legalism and grace. Do you get on the phone in the afternoon and talk to your friends and your family about how this person has done this wrong and if they'd only do this or that? Or are you... Trying to love somebody unconditionally, that's the difference between legalism and grace. Legalism is focused on, I got to make them do right. Grace is focused on, I got to love them. And what did Jesus say to the people who are obsessed with, I got to make them do right? He said, oh, I understand you're seeing the speck in their eye. But before you call them out, look in the mirror and let's get that giant log out of your own. And this applies to your marriage. If you're always trying to fix your spouse, you might have a very legalistic mindset, and I gotta be honest, it's probably just gonna drive them away. It applies to yourself. If you are legalist with yourself, you're probably got an internal battle going on between the Holy Spirit in you saying you're accepted and your own mind saying you're not accepted. As a believer, you cannot afford to think thoughts about yourself that God doesn't think. Well, how do I know what he thinks about me? Read the Gospels and jump into the New Testament and read the thoughts he has for you. We have a whole conference coming up about it. This is written in the book of Jeremiah, but it's absolute truth. For I know the thoughts I have of you, says the Lord. Thoughts to prosper you and not to harm you. Thoughts to give you a hope and a future that's the thoughts he has towards you why are the thoughts you have towards you any different be kind to yourself be kind to your spouse be kind to others legalism is always trying to figure out how to fix somebody grace loves unconditionally john 5 5 through 10 here's one last example uh, a, a, one of the men lying there by, the, by this, this area had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time. He said, do you want to be well? I can't, sir. I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. That was this pool of Bethesda. Somehow the water would stir. And, and the Bible says the first person that jumped in that water would be healed. That's all we can say about it. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but that's what the word says. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, "Stand up, pick up your mat and walk." Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Jesus was always breaking the rules. I know that sounds funny because I mean he was perfect, but I guess all that breaking the rules isn't always makes, is not always wrong. I mean, it, it, Jesus broke all these rules. The miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. Here's the part that blows me away. They knew this guy. They saw him every day for 38 years. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry your sleeping mat. This guy, who had never walked for 38 years, walks past the Pharisees and instead of seeing the miracle, they said, You're holding a mat. How much more of a useless thought can you have? How much more of a deranged mind can you have? But that's what legalism does. It twists all the things that we have up here and, and, and forms hatred in our minds and it forms discontent in our hearts. And instead of looking and seeing the miracles, sometimes in our everyday life, we wake up and we turn the water on and we have running water and we think, man, this is not heating up fast enough. What a horrible morning. Right? I mean, it could be something as small as that. Meanwhile, we have people on the other side of the world that we know personally that have to walk two hours every morning for water. But legalism takes your mind and puts it in this box and your focus will be the mat every time instead of the miracle. We have a friend that prayed for years and years and years to be pregnant. And Lisa prayed for her, and eventually she got pregnant. She had this awesome, awesome, beautiful, healthy baby. And he's about a year and a half, two years old. And I mean, I think three, four, five straight months, we heard nothing but negativity come out of her mouth about her son. And finally, Lisa one day had enough. And she said, are you talking about the kid that we prayed for for almost 10 years? Are we talking about the miracle that was formed in your womb after the doctors told you you could never have children? Are you complaining about the miracle that God gave you? Because two years has gone by, now the new fancy shininess has worn off? And it was in love. I'm probably actually being harsher than Lisa was, or maybe I'm not being as harsh as Lisa was. However, there was a moment and she recognized it. And we saw her language change. We saw things change. Because sometimes we got to remember, we can fall into this trap slowly. And all of a sudden, a few weeks, a few months go by. And instead of focusing on how we're going to love well, we're focused back on the law. That goes back to Romans 12:2. If we don't keep our mind renewed to the truth, we will fall into thinking just like the world. And isn't the world also very legalistic? We've been talking about this for six weeks. It does not work like the kingdom of God. You have to earn everything. You earn your promotion or you earn your demotion. You earn your way to success or you earn your way to failure. We get what we deserve for the most part. We get what we put in every time. But in the kingdom, it doesn't work like that. Grace gives us something we don't deserve and we can never earn. And when we walk around with our mindset focused on grace, instead of seeing the mat, we're going to start jumping up and down and saying, are you walking? What happened? Are you walking? You haven't walked in 38 years. Like, we're going to have questions. Like, are you sore? I mean, you haven't moved those muscles. Did they hurt? Or are you going to start thinking, like, this is awesome? But all they could focus on was the mat. Legalism sees the mat. Grace sees the mat. The miracle. Legalism drives people away from the Lord. Grace leads them straight to Him through love. We had a moment here years ago. I've talked about it before. There was a, a, a move of the Spirit is all I can explain it as. And it was one day after a church service, a couple of the teenagers started praying. And something happened. And the entire youth group, man, we just had this encounter with the Lord where people, teenagers were just laid out on the floor. And even kids uh, praying in tongues, getting filled with the Holy Spirit. That would have been like in 94, 95, and uh, so many of those families thought, well, that was kind of strange, and stopped coming to church here. Which, that's their prerogative, but instead of, I don't know, asking questions, figuring out, looking at the fruit of an encounter, because instead of doing drugs, I don't know, staying home, playing video games, getting in trouble, there was a group of teenagers in church on a weekend night, having an encounter with the Lord. And people left because of it. And I got to tell you, I still am friends with a lot of these people. And there's not a lot of these folks serving the Lord right now. Instead of being raised in church, they they left and they kind of went head first into the world and everything the world offers. Legalism looked and thought, well, this is strange. This does not make sense to my flesh. Legalism didn't even open the word and say, is this stuff in the word? Because it's all here. Grace, love looks at it and says, man, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Legalist minds are consumed with doing. Grace is at rest. What does that mean? It means a good heart. This is another way of saying it. A good heart, which we can have through grace, right? we, we, we We renew our mind to the word Things start changing on the inside first because the inside affects the outside. A good heart will change our actions, but good actions will never change our heart. A good heart, a good mindset, a sound mind operating from the inside out will change our actions, but our good actions will never change the inside. Legalism is focused on that outside change. Grace is focused on that inside change. The Pharisees tried to earn their righteousness at all times by keeping the law and they were consumed with doing. And Jesus said, you got it backwards. This all points to me. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it except through me. Mary and Martha are a great example of this. Martha was working. Mary was at rest. Jesus said to Martha, Mary has chosen well. Zacchaeus and the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler approaches Jesus Some people misunderstand this story, but part of it starts with this. They think Jesus was hard on him. But he walks up to Jesus and he says, What must I do to be saved? Well, Jesus had just told the Pharisees, You can't do anything. It all points to me. What must I do? So he approached Jesus with the legalism, and Jesus approached him back with legalism. Oh, well, you know the law. What does it say? Honor your father and your mother. He goes through the Ten Commandments, and this rich young ruler had the audacity to say, oh, I've done done all that since I was a kid. I've kept all those laws. And then Jesus said, okay, you lack one thing. Go sell all of your goods and follow me. What is commandment number one? Have no other gods before me. Jesus literally calls him out and says, you've kept them all? You haven't even kept number one. Because he turned away. He said he had many possessions. And he walked away. That's legalism. Grace is Zacchaeus, the thief in the tree. And Jesus says, I'm coming to your house to eat. And jumps out of the tree and they have a great meal. Zacchaeus at the end says, you've changed my life. I'm going to give back everything I've stolen." That's grace. Grace leads to the father. Grace, love leads to change. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Love is kind. If you're trying to force someone to change, that's not even what the word says is going to do it. This says kindness, love 1 Peter 2.24, you probably know it by heart, says by his stripes we were healed. A legalist mindset declares this and confesses this to try to get healed and to try and earn what this says. But a grace mindset simply declares this because we know it's a done deal and we're thankful. 1 Peter 2.24 says by his stripes I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus. That's a difference between grace and legalism. Legalism confesses it to try and get it done. Grace says confesses it because it is done and enjoys and rests in it. That's where a lot of the church, I think, people think it's icky, the name it and claim it stuff. And, and you know what? When you're walking around naming it and claiming it and faking it till you make it, it is kind of icky. Because if you're faking it, you don't, you're not really walking in it, but you don't have to. If you're, as long as you're faking something, you're never going to have the real thing. We've got to confess the word, but it's not because we're trying to get it to work. It's because it's true and it's our life and it's, it's our, our energy. It's, our, it's everything to us. So it just flows out of a heart filled with it. And it's a huge difference in that legal mindset. Of if I say it 10 times and I say the prayer of Jabez and turn around backwards and say it again, all of a sudden my territories will be expanded. There's no magic formula. And if anybody tells you there's a magic formula, they're lying. Don't buy into it. If they, it's a multi-level marketing scheme. Every time. All right? Every time. Every time. Look, if you ever have a question, is this a pyramid scheme? Yes, that's the answer. Don't even have to ask any more questions. If you think that, yes. Stop. Go away. Don't do it. That's what legalism is. It's a pyramid scheme. And the only person that benefits is the enemy. The only person that benefits is Satan. He's the one that's the, the, the whatever you want to be, the top or the bottom of the pyramid. I don't know. Whichever one you want, that, people that make all the money, that's him. He's the one. That's his currency. Legalism is his currency. Legalism sees their relationship with God as a worker-slave mentality. Grace sees the truth, which Jesus said, I now call you friends. You're now children of God. I've been thinking a lot about my son cutting the grass. It means a lot to me that he's out there with me. You know, uh, there's people that you can pay to come cut your grass, and they'll do a great job. And the mindset is, if I do a good job, they'll pay me. Maybe even ask me to come back and cut it again next week, and I'll keep making money. That's a worker, slave, legalist mentality. But a grace mentality says, "This is my house." I'm the son. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to go work with my dad. And we have fun out there. And it's fun. It's the difference between legalism and grace. It's a pretty good example. Because you can go cut somebody's yard as a worker and make money, and that's why you do it. Or you can take some pride in your own home and stand outside and cut the grass because you love what you're doing, you love your family. There's a big difference. And all the teenagers are like, not looking at their parents right now. Like... (laughs) Don't look too hard. I I do remember the first time I cut the grass. I never was able to stop. I never it wasn't an option after that. That just became part of the job, Anthony. John 15:15, 15, 15, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. The old covenant, it was a bit of a slave mentality. I have to obey or I will be thrown out. How many times did you see Jesus throw somebody out because they didn't do what was right? I can't find one yet. It's time to turn off the legalist mindset and ask the Father to help us love unconditionally you can't do both you can't do both because legalism by the very definition is conditions it's a list of conditions if you obey you will receive this it's conditions terms and conditions you've probably signed one or hit that little agree box in the last week if you do this you will receive this But this new covenant of grace, man, Paul said, once you have confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart is a done deal. I said this yesterday, kind of goofy. There's a lot of truth to it, though. Once you say yes to Jesus, you're healed, you're sealed, filled with the real deal. That's real preaching right there. (laughs) Healed, sealed, filled with the real deal. You know when it rhymes, it's good. You're healed by the stripes of Jesus. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are sealed by that same Spirit for all of eternity. That's a done deal. And it's not based on conditions. It's what it means to love unconditionally. Legalism tries to fix people. Grace Loves unconditionally. Legalism tries to fix the spouse. Grace loves unconditionally. Legalism tries to fix the friends. Grace loves unconditionally. Here's one. Legalism tries to fix the enemies. Grace loves unconditionally. And the truth is, if they're made of flesh and blood, they're not your enemy. They're children of God. And he loves them as much as he loves you. But there is a table that we can sit at and be at rest in the presence of our real enemies. Fear, anxiety, hatred, fill in the blanks. But that's the opportunity we have. And it doesn't start on the outside and work its way in. It starts on the inside and works its way out. We have got to make this this word, the gospel, the truth, we've got to make it real to us on the inside. We have to renew our mind to this daily. I know I can't go a day without renewing my mind because I can fall back into the way this world thinks very easily. We were talking about uh, the, the love languages, that, that book, The Five Love Languages. as We were putting floors down this week. I don't even know how the conversation started. But I was laughing, and I said, yeah, my love language is words, and in my flesh, boy, I need those words really, really badly. It is so easy to fall into that trap of if if somebody is not telling me how great I am, then I guess I'm not. But the truth is, I really just need the Lord. I just need the Father to tell me He's proud, and He is saying that to me and to you the second you say yes to Jesus. That should be enough in my spirit. It is enough but it's so easy to fall back into that trap. Well, Lisa hasn't told me I'm awesome today. I guess we're headed for divorce. No, no, we don't think like that. We don't think like that, but we do get frustrated, right? We do get frustrated sometimes. Well, you haven't told me thank you for doing this and that and this yesterday, and I have the list of all the things I did. Have you seen it? Did you see all those check marks on my list? I did it all. I guess you haven't. You know, I cut the grass, and Judah's like, no, I cut the grass. I can't get thanks for that one anymore. He gets all the praise now. That's probably why I like cutting the grass, because somebody's going to be like, looks good. You're like, thank you. It does look good. I even weed-eated. I got rid of the yellow jackets. But the choice is ours. The choice is yours as a believer. Are you going to operate in legalism, or are you going to operate in grace? Let's turn off the how can I fix you thinking And turn on the how do I love you well. And if that is a question. Read 1 Corinthians 13. What is love? Baby don't hurt me. No what is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love isn't proud or rude. Love is not demanding. Love forgets when it's wronged. Love weeps over injustice. Love rejoices when the truth prevails. Love protects. Love hopes, trusts, and perseveres. Love never fails. That's what love is. That's your definition. That's it. But what if, what if, no, 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 love is kind. Not what if, love is kind. But what if it's the seventh time they've wronged me in this day? Well, 70 times seven is more like it is what Jesus said, because love forgives. It is patient. Are we going to be legalists? Are we going to be grace-filled believers? it's our choice. I'm going to invite the band to come on up as they clo- as we close, let's put some focus and attention on the father and worship here for a few moments. Then we'll have some prayer ministry and you know, I do want to say a special word about this weekend, we have our we have our conference this weekend and I really hope you can all make it. It is going to be real special. We will have some fun things like I don't know if you heard those announcements, but there'll be a Really great coffee stand outside, suave coffee. We'll have uh, some snacks and things, activities for the kids. But these services are going to be awesome. Uh, The band is going to lead worship up here for us. Lisa, Will, uh, Austin. and um, Man, it's going to be great. Eric is speaking Friday night and Saturday night. If you've never heard him, just trust me. You're going to love this guy. He is awesome. Uh, So come on to the conference. You know it's free now. You don't have to register. It's great if you do. But what better things do you have to do Friday and Saturday night than just be here worshiping together, hearing something that's going to really encourage you. Those of you that have kids starting school and that you're starting school, you have so many teachers in here, I think it's going to be a great way to kick off your school year. I believe you'll have a chance to hear some things that will change your life. And there's going to be a lot of people here that don't go to church here, so you might make some new connections, some new friendships. And that's important, too. I think you'll make some new relationships this week, and it could be lifelong and very special. So... Thank you, Father. That's going to be a great conference. And thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that you are true. And you said, let every man be a liar, but you are true. You have accepted us. You have loved us well, unconditionally. Now, Father, teach us in every moment to love the way Jesus loved. Instead of terms and conditions and being obsessed with either myself doing what's right or forcing somebody else to do what's right or forcing a group of people to stop thinking the way they think and do what's right. Lord, show me and inspire me to just love them unconditionally the way Jesus did. Show us in every moment. That's what leads to real change. I do want to say that too. If I didn't already say it, I want to make sure you hear me say it. That is what leads to real change. This isn't just like the the hippie message of just love everybody and it's all right. No, the word says that love is what leads to change within ourselves, within our marriage, within this world. It is the kindness of God. We just read that 1 Corinthians 13, love is kind. It is the kindness of God. It is the love of God that leads us to repentance. Zacchaeus knew what he was doing was wrong, but it was sitting down at the table and loving him that led him to repentance. The lady who was being stoned to death because she was an adulterer knew what she did was wrong, but it was the kindness of Jesus that led to any change. Go down the list, all 12 disciples. It was the kindness of Jesus that brought them in close. Everything else just drove people away. And you're able to do it. If you're thinking, that's just not me, that is you. You got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. That means you got no excuse. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, etc., You got it in there. Stop saying you don't. You got it. Thank you, Father, that you love unconditionally. We want to love that same way. Help us to cast out every bit of legalism that we operate out of. Just love, just grace, starting with ourselves and our families, and just love and just grace to the world, to our city, country, whatever it is, whoever it is. Thank you. Amen. Let's stand and worship for a few moments before we close.